who's grateful for God's promises? Come on, you're thankful for his promises that he gives to us. You know, if you're here visiting us, we wanna welcome you to Better Life Church. We wanna welcome everybody online. We also wanna give a shout out to our Grayson campus. We love you guys. I'm telling you, God is using you big time there in Carter County in that region. Thank you so much for joining us and worshiping with us. If this is your first time here to Better Life Church, we are so thankful that you are here. We kicked off this series called Still Standing. You know, last year, uh, no one would have predicted what would happen, right? 2020 was a great year to talk about our great grand vision, no pun intended there, in the year of 2020. And people stand up and say, this is gonna be the year, and this is what's gonna happen. Man, it caught everyone by surprise, right? Like, no one expected that. And so as we continue on into this now 2021, one thing we know for sure, we've learned this, we have no idea what tomorrow holds. And you already knew that, but now you really know that. But here's one thing we know to be true, that is God's promises. And what God promises, he cannot lie. We are who he says we are, we have what he says we have, we can become who he says that we can become. And last week we talked about, you will get better. Maybe you're here and you're kind of in that funk and you just don't know, like, you know, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get better. You need to go back and watch last week. There's a promise in the Bible that you will get better, that God's gonna do a work in your life. We talked about that. I also shared about a guy who read through the Bible like 26 times, and on the 27th time, he took him two years to read through the entire Bible. Now, it normally doesn't take that long to read through the whole Bible, but it took him two years, and in that, he counted every single promises that God made to us. And there were over 7,000 promises in the Bible that God made to us, that he wants to give to us. Some of those are gonna happen whether we want them to happen or not, those are promises. But there's a lot of promises in the Bible that are conditional. And what I mean by that, God says, if you, I will. If you will do this, I will do this. And it's a promise. So if you'll put this into practice, if you'll practice this in your life, I promise this will be the outcome. And there's some conditional promises in the Bible that God's given us. And so what we will look at over the next several weeks and continue is, let's look at the promises that God has for us. And how do we claim them? Like if there's 7,000 promises, they're kind of like a blank check. They're just waiting for you to cash it in. Cash in that promise. Claim that promise that God has for you. And since we have no idea what tomorrow holds, here's what we do know. That his promises are true and that God will do what he says he would do and God can not lie. And so our church, listen, we're going to stand on, the God, on God's word. We're going to stand on the promises of God because it is true. And we're going to build on that foundation of his word. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. I'm using a New Living Translation. If you have your Bible on your phone or your iPad, you could go with me. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to walk you through this great, great promise that God gives us that I think is going to affect every single one of us. Now, I do, like Connie said, I appreciate you guys continuing to practicing the social distance and stuff. And one of the things that people have asked me is that when are we going back to two services at both of our locations? You know that typically we run two services and as we continue to grow, we'll add services. And so we're getting close to a threshold of attendance in our auditoriums. And when we reach that capacity, we'll add another service. We'll go back to 1130 and we'll go back to two services, which we believe is gonna be happening here in the near future anyway. So just letting you know that for some of you been asking this in case you're wondering when we're going to add another service. We'll be adding that shortly uh, back here, hopefully at both of our locations, because we're starting to reach, getting close to a threshold that we want to be comfortable for you and your family as you come and worship and do everything we can to love you and protect you in every way possible. Now, this one's a big one. 
This is the promise that's going to affect every single one of us. This is the one that you're going to probably want to go back and listen to. This is the one that you're going to have a family member who probably doesn't go to church or not going to church, and you want to make sure they get this in their hands and listen to it because here's one that affects every single one of us, especially coming off 2020 into 2021, like going to bed on, on New Year's Eve and waking up did not erase everything that happened in 2020. But here's one that's gonna affect every single one of us. And here's the promise I wanna talk to you today is that you can have peace. You can have peace. Most people do not have peace. Most people, if you know, if you're even like me, you're up to the night and you begin to, and here it is, oh my gosh, here it is, worry, worry. Now, don't have to, don't, well, I mean, I guess you can if you want to answer this out loud, but what are you worrying about right now? Think about it right now. What is on the forefront of your mind that you're worrying about? Two of the biggest things, actually, the two biggest things due to um, surveys that people worry about is finances and health. Finances and health. Now, think about if those are, if that is true, if that is the two biggest things that people are worried about, and you throw a pandemic on top of it, you shut economies down on top of it, people lose their jobs on top of it, why do you think antidepressant medicine is skyrocketing all through 2020 and into 2021? If the two biggest things you worry about in your life is finances and your health, think about that. Is that, what is the biggest things you're worried about? Is it something financially that's going on in your life? Student loans, how am I gonna pay for those? Credit card debt, how am I gonna make the payment? How am I gonna put food on the table? How am I gonna put my kid through school? How are we gonna make it? We're paycheck to paycheck. How much of your life will be consumed about just your finances alone? What about your health? Maybe you don't really think much about your health. Maybe the pandemic has made you think a lot more about your health. I mean, think about the things on the forefront of your mind. Maybe for you, it's your marriage. Maybe you're having marital problems because of financial problems. Maybe you are having marital problems because of health problems. I don't wonder what it's related to. Maybe it's your kid that's gone sideways. What is it that you worry about the most? Is it like, am I ever gonna get married? Am I always gonna be single? Are we gonna have children? We've been trying to have children, and God, you ever gonna allow me to be a parent? Like, I mean, real life, the things on the forefront of your mind that you worry about. Am I gonna have a job when I grow? Am I gonna have, am I gonna be able to keep my job? I thought about retirement, now I'm not gonna be able to retire because of what happened. Maybe your political party didn't get into the office and everything's changed, now you're worried about for the next four years, what's gonna happen? I mean, these are real life things that keep you up at night, that's on the forefront of your mind, and my question to you this morning is what are you worrying about? Because you cannot have worry and peace at the same time. And you're gonna go through your entire life until you die struggling with the thoughts of catastrophizing or what ifing in your mind what you are worried about. So how, if God says I could have peace in the midst of, and you fill in the blank, in the midst of a divorce, in the midst of losing a loved one, in the midst of filing bankruptcy, in the midst of trials and tribulation, and in the midst of a pandemic, like how am I to have peace in such a chaotic, crazy world? How am I to do that? And if there is a tangible way to do it, how does that happen? Aren't you glad you came today? Because that's what we're gonna talk about, how we can have peace. And so we go to the famous passage, and this is the one, when you're gonna deal with peace, this is the passage, man. This is like the number, I would say the number one, but for me, one of my go-to passages when I'm struggling and thinking about peace. Because here's what I know. It is not God's will for you to live in worry. I know that for a fact. It is not God's will for you to live in panic and fear 
and worry. I know that for a fact. It will affect you physically. I've been there. It'll affect you emotionally. Been there too. It'll affect you spiritually. Been there. Like God's will is not for you to worry. It's his will for you to be in peace. But how does that happen when there's craziness all around us? And if craziness gets into our minds. Someone asked me one time and kind of put me on the spot. And I, I stood back for a moment because they asked me, do you believe that, sin, that worry is a sin? And my first response was, let me think about that because how in the world can you live a worry-free life? I'm a parent of four kids. How do you do that? When you think about your kids, you worry about your kids. Are they going to all those things? Like, how, how, how do you do that? And the more I, I think about it, the more of you dive into worry and the root of worry, it is rooted in sin. To worry is to displace God in your life and put what you worry about in front of him. It's to dethrone God and put what's ever on your mind in front of him. That's what worry is that I'm gonna worry as if I can fix it. It will distract you from the main thing that God wants and nothing else in your life will matter except fill in the blank. My singleness, my debt, my marriage, my health, my job, my kids. And what happens, you dethrone God because you do not believe that he's in control to fix whatever's on the forefront of your mind, whatever you're focusing on the most. So it displaces God and it distracts you when you begin to worry about and you fill in the blank, because honestly, worry is a form of idolatry. And what you're saying is, God, I am more concerned and thinking about this than you. Well, I've been there. I've been there. Like, you know, I talked about this. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And somebody asked me the last few Sundays, like, man, God's just really speaking to me. It's because I'm, I'm preaching to myself. And you just get to eavesdrop and listen to me preach to myself. And so how do I display, how do, how do I, I focus? How do I change that? I don't wanna live a worried life. I wanna be a peaceful life. How does that happen inside of you? And I know that's what you want deep down inside. So how do you do it? How do I claim the promises of God? How do I do that? Well, if you're ready to get started, that's this introduction to say, let's go. All right, sounds like you're really excited this morning to figure out how to get worry out of your life. That's awesome. I'm so glad you're welcome to Better Life Church. All right, here we go. Verse six, the Apostle Paul writes this. Don't worry about anything. Really? Like, really? So here's the first point. Man, this is so profound, it's gonna shock you. Point number one, you're taking notes. Here it is. Don't worry about anything, right out the right, <laughs> oh, is that not crazy? It's like that's the first point is the text. Don't worry about anything. Now, if you know anything what's going on, the Apostle Paul is in jail right now. He's actually chained to a soldier 24 seven under Nero, who's this bloodthirsty dictator, has no idea his future, he has no idea if he's ever gonna get out of jail, and guess what he tells the church? Guess what he tells the people? Don't worry about anything, how? Like, come on, man. How is that even possible? What do you mean not worry about anything? How am I not to worry about anything? If, if my real problems is my health and my finances, you throw a pandemic on the middle of that, how am I not to worry about this? How are you to say not to worry about anything? Are you serious? Is that, are you for being for real, Paul? Is that just one of those kind of made up verses like this kind of feel good, but really you can't live that out like God understands that? See, what Paul would say to you today is that worry would choke your life. It chokes the life out of you when you worry. Let me tell you something what worry does. It magnifies the problem. 
It's really not too big of a problem until you start worrying about it, then all of a sudden it magnifies it. It magnifies how big the problem is. And here's the crazy thing, you ready for this? Worry can't fix anything. Have you ever thought about that? Like worry can't fix anything. Two of the biggest things that most people worry about. One, they worry about their past. Has God really forgiven them? And they live with the consequences and the, and the unclear and, 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 the, and the, the conscience that bothers them. And so they worry, they worry, they worry about the past or they worry about the future and they what if and they catastrophize. Now watch this. Worry cannot change the past. And let this sink in for you right now. Worry cannot control the future. Parents, if I just worry enough about my kids, then maybe God will protect them. Worry will not protect them. So I worry, 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 worry. Let's just worry. Because if I worry, maybe it'll appease God and God will see how wretched I am and how bad I am worrying. And maybe God will move on my behalf and act on my behalf because I'll worry over my children and God will protect them. Don't that sound silly? That's what we do. Maybe if I just worry enough about not catching the virus, if I just worry enough about it and be so scared and be so afraid, maybe God will have mercy on me. He said, oh, bless my child. He is so scared. He worries so much. Let's answer his prayer. Maybe if I just worry so much, it will change my husband and he'll be a better husband and he won't come home mad and he won't come home yelling because he had a bad day at work and God will fix my marriage because I'm just this little lady who just worries, worries, worries that hopefully God will change him. Doesn't it sound silly when I put it that way? If I just worry enough that God will help me pay the $60,000 I owe back in student loans, and God, I just, I worry, 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 worry. And if I just worry and get fever blisters and ulcers, have to take some medication, maybe if I worry enough, God will protect me. Worry is not what moves God. Faith moves God. And the devil wants to lie to you and lie to you and lie. And if you just worry enough, maybe the sickness will go away. If you just worry enough, maybe your debt will just go away. If you just worry up, maybe he'll come home as a knight in shining armor, husband you've always wanted. If you just worry enough, God will protect you. You see, this is the lie from the enemy. He wants to choke the life out of you. He wants you to stay all up all night. He wants you to roll over at 3 a.m. in the morning worrying how you're going to, and you fill in the blank, whatever you're worrying about as if worry is going to change anything. It doesn't change anything. It destroys you. If what you are worrying about, you can change it in your own strength and power, change it. But what if you can't change it? It's like sitting in a rocking chair. You're moving, but you're not going anywhere. And so many of us, we just blow it off. Well, my mama always worried and my grandma always worried and it's just in my family, it's just how I always worried. Pastor, how do you just do that? I just, I just worry, I just worry, I just worry. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do because he knows he will render you ineffective, rip away from you the abundant life, the full life, the joyful life, the better life that God has planned for you. Wow, all because of worry. Worry is the kryptonite to the Christian life. It will render you powerless and useless. If you don't know what kryptonite is, watch Superman. For the love, man, watch Superman. It's this green thing. It's that, just watch it. Google it if you have to. But that's what sucks the life, the power out of a Christian life. So how do I fix that? I'm going to talk about that in a moment. You got to change your focus. I'm, I'm, I'll share it. How, how do I fix that? Verse 6, keep reading. 
Here's the second thing. Instead, so don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. You ready for the second point? Oh my goodness, it's profound. Pray about anything. Like pray about everything in your life. Every single thing in your life you should pray about. Doesn't matter how big, small, good, pray about everything in your life. You don't panic, you pray. You don't worry, you worship God and pray and speak to him. If you would pray more than you worry, you would worry much less. Like I'm talking about really praying for, for God to do something in your life. If God can raise his son Jesus from the dead, don't you think he can fix your finances? Don't you think he can heal your marriage? Don't you think he can help you and protect you? Come on. If God can raise his son from the dead, anything is possible. Do you believe that? Or are you going to worry about it? Now, here's what's fascinating when I look at this text. Two things. He says, pray, and then he used the words tell. He says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Now, isn't praying and telling the same thing? Your translation may say petition. Petition God. We all know what a petition is, right? When you want something changed, you petition it. Something's desperate, you petition it, right? You want something changed, you sign a petition. You're trying to petition. What, what's the difference between prayers and petition? What's the difference between praying and telling God? See, prayer first begins with a desire. It's an attitude. Prayer begins in your heart before it's your words. We only pray when there's a blowout in our life. Do you have a desire just to commune with God? See, that's where prayer starts. And now once you have that desire to bring it to him, then look what he says, tell him. Tell him what you need. I'm not talking about generic prayers, I'm talking about specific prayers. Like specifically tell God exactly what you need because prayer to the spiritual life is like breathing to the body. You gotta have it and you wonder why you're rendering use. You worry why we're worrying all the time. We have to talk to God. We gotta bring our petitions to him. And I'm not talking about just, oh, God, thank you, and help me with this. I'm talking about, like, specific things you're praying for. You remember in Mark chapter 10, blind Bartimaeus, he goes up to him and says, what, Jesus says this, what do you want me to do for you? Let's, let's, let's bring that today. If Jesus was standing right here in front of you right now and then looked at you and says, what would you have me do for you? What would you tell him? How specific would you get? You know what Bartimaeus says? Man, I want to see, Rabbi. I want to see. That's what I want to do. And God answered his specific request because he was moved by faith. So we gotta pray about everything. The little things, the good things, the bad things, the, the tiny things, the things you think was well, no big deal talking to God about this. And now I'm not just talking about if you're a student, God, I, I, I pray that you help me get an A on the test I didn't study for because I was out running around, I shouldn't been running around and I just put my biology book under my pillow and I hope you through osmosis, somehow it translates into my mind and God, help me put the, all the answers. I heard of if I mark C, but I'm not gonna go with C because I'm going with A, God. I pray that it comes through. I'm not talking about that. Some of you are like, you pray that before, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's another um, sermon, how I pray. I hope my kids don't learn from that one. I'm talking about everything in your life. That pray, you bring it. He cares for you. He wants to hear you and your prayers. But will you pray about everything? Here's a third point. Here's a third point. You gotta thank God in all things. You gotta thank him. Look what it says in verse six. And thank him for all he has done. Gratitude. Thank him. Not thank him for the bad things that have happened, but you can thank him in the bad things that have happened. 
When things happen in your life, I can still be grateful. I can still be thankful. Because if your theology believes that God knows all things, which I believe, and if you believe that God is in absolute all control, which I believe, and then everything, nothing can happen to my life, nothing can happen to your life, nothing can happen to our church, nothing can happen into this world until it has been filtered through our Heavenly Father's hand. And if you'll get to that theology part in your life, understand that God is sovereign. He's in control. He knew this would happen before the foundation of the earth. He didn't cause it, but he has allowed it. It has been filtered through his hands. And if it's been filtered through his hands, that means somehow he will get glory. If you get to that point in your life, then the worry part, you'll stop back and say, God, I trust you. Trust is not a feeling. Trust is a choice. God, I trust you. Not why me, why us, why now? God, what do you want to do? God, what are you trying to accomplish? You have to get to the point where you have to thank God in all things. This should be so important because worry and gratitude cannot coexist at the same time. When you start to worry, start being grateful. When you start to worry, grab things that you start to write down and thank God what you're Thank God for the things that happen in your life. How do you increase your gratitude? Count your blessing and name them one by one. Folks, let me tell you something about you. I don't know you. I'm where you're watching online or you're in Grayson or you're here in person. Here's what I know. We are all blessed. And the moment you begin to count your blessings and become grateful for what God is doing in your life, the things that we begin to worry about begin to go away. We need to be thanking God. In fact, I would go in and say, you need to thank God in advance. We had an all staff this week, and I was teaching in our all staff about how to minister by faith. And one thing that ministers by faith is thanking God in advance for something. That's faith. Thanking God after he does something and he comes through, that's gratitude. But thanking God in advance, God, I thank you in advance you're gonna fix my marriage. God, I thank you in advance we're gonna get through this pandemic. God, I thank you in advance you're gonna fix my finances. God, I thank you in advance I will graduate from this college and I will get a job and I'm gonna thank you in advance that it's gonna come. That's faith. Anybody can thank God after he does something. That's gratitude, which we should. But I'm gonna thank God before it even happens. That's faith. And it's that faith that pleases the Lord. It's that faith that moves God, not your worry. It's your faith. See, the enemy wants to lie to us, say, hey, everybody worries, it's no big deal, just worry, 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 worry. And God's like, no, it's a huge deal because it will render you ineffective. So I'm gonna thank God in all things. And then verse eight. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, you could tell Paul was a preacher because he says one final thing and keeps on preaching for a very long time here. Be careful when someone's, okay, this is the last point coming to an end. Buckle down, you got about 10 more minutes left. All right, here we go, and verse eight. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Here's the fourth thing to get rid of peace and claim the promise of peace in your life is you gotta think about good things. You got to think about good things. And this is really the meat of the sermon. This is really where it gets. This is the key. This is the battlefield. This is why you worry. This is the battlefield right here. This is it. This is what the enemy wants. You know that, right? This is where he goes. This is the battlefield, is the mind. Why? Because as a man thinks, so that he is. 
Why does the enemy want the mind? Because my feelings follow my thoughts. And if I want to change how I feel, I must change what I'm thinking. It's a principle all through the scripture. What I believe determines how I feel and how I feel determines my actions. See, a lot of times we want to talk about, and maybe you've been to a church or places or or counselor, they want to talk about behavior modification as if your behavior is the problem. Your porn is not the problem. That's just a symptom. That's just what's being shown. What are you feeling that makes you want to go look at porn? The number one cause for sexual sin in people's life is loneliness. That's why marriage doesn't fix loneliness. I've seen pre-married and pre-counseling and married couples are going to get married and she thinks because they get married it's going to fix this porn problem. They get married and it doesn't fix this porn problem and he thought that it would fix it. Why? Because marriage doesn't fix loneliness. I know a lot of lonely married couples. Loneliness is such a strong negative emotion it will cause you to overeat. It will cause you to drink. It will cause you to turn to substance. It will cause you to turn for sexual sin. And so we're like, I don't know, man. I just don't know why I still do these things. You gotta, why, what am I feeling that makes me want to and do the action? But then when you get to the feeling, you gotta go, what am I believing that makes me feel? I only believe, I only feel what I believe. Why? Because feelings follow thoughts. Paul knows this. So Paul says, if you want the peace of God in your life and you worry all the time, here's the key. Here's how you fix it. Change what you believe. And when you change your thoughts, it would change your heart. When it changes your heart, it would change your actions. You know what that's called? Repentance. That's what that means. I changed my mind. It changed my heart. It changed my actions. I shift my mind. See, when I gave my life to the Lord, I shift my mind to the Lord. Lord, I believe you came for me. You died for me. You gave me life for me. And then it changed my heart. I don't love this stuff for you. I don't love the club like I used to. I don't love that filthy music I listen to. I don't love that filthy stuff I used to watch. I don't love that filthy stuff I used to be around. My heart shift. And because my heart shift, my actions shift. I don't look at that porn no more. I don't go to that place no more. I don't talk like that no more. Why? Because I repented. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of action. If you've asked God to forgive you of the sin and you keep doing the sin, you have not repented. That's what repentance is. How do I know I repented of the sin? I stopped doing it. Because I've changed what I believed about it. It changed my heart about it, changed my actions about it. Paul says, if you want to stop worrying, it starts right here. You know why you're afraid and you're panicking and you're worried? Because you believe in something. Change your belief. Changes your heart. Changes your action. But if God's just always, I've always worried, I've got this, and I know. I mean, I, I talked about the friend this a couple weeks ago. I meet with about neuroplasticity. Your mind's got these big highways that run through, and every time there's something fires in it, you feel and fires, but you can rewire your brain. Do you know that? You can change. I'm gonna start believing this, and when I start believing this, my feelings will follow, and as my feelings follow, my actions will change. Paul says, if you want to change the worry in your life and have the peace of God, it will start right here. When you're laying there at 3 a.m. in the morning, your mind starts racing, you start catastrophizing. What if, 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 what if? And you wonder why you wake up anxious. So, what do you do? Look what he says. You fill your mind with what? He gives you eight tests. I mean, did you see that? (laughs) Look what he says, eight tests. Because what you feel your mind with will determine your stress level and your anxiety level. Look what it says. 
whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise. <laughs> think about these things. Now think about that. For most of us, there goes all of our social media. Definitely in the news now. What you fill your mind with and what goes in your mind is gonna come out. And we wonder why not before we go to bed and we restless all night because what do we fill our minds with before we even go to bed? So what is honorable and worthy and true and, and you can trust and, and it's admirable and lovely? Let me tell you what that is. It is Jesus and his word. And that's why the enemy wants to keep you from this. You'll read countless blogs. You can do trig, trig, trig. You can do biology. You can do all this class stuff. And you can do common core math, which if you can do that, fist bump, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you, you got, oh, I just can't read the Bible, man. I don't even know where to start, man. I don't even know. I mean, it's just too hard to understand. The Bible's not hard to understand. Yes, there's some places that are just, I don't, I don't even understand. But the Bible's hard to apply. Forgive those who hurt you. Wait to have sex before you get married. Bring to God what's his and tithe. Oh, I wanna go deep, pastor. I wanna go deep. I wanna go deep in God's word. You're not even doing the basics. The Bible is not hard to understand. Try to apply it and live it out in your life. Don't worry. You understand that, don't you? Now go apply it. How? See, and that's why the enemy wants to keep you from this. Because he knows when you let this sink down in your life, you will replace the lies in your mind with the truth of God's word. And when you know the truth, preach it to me, the truth will what? The truth will what? And you wonder why you walk in bondage to worry. You wanna be set free? Paul would say, think of things that are true, honorable, pure, noble, and right. We are in this world and this is not our home. And all around us is gonna be chaotic and there's gonna be sin-filled stuff. Listen, we're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna make mistakes. I make mistakes. You blow it, I blow it. We're never gonna be sinless ever until Jesus comes back. It's around us. How do I have peace in the midst of this chaos? When things are going sideways, how do I trust? He says, it starts right here. This is the battlefield. And if you can take your thoughts captive to Christ and put on that helmet of salvation and you fill your mind with truth, which is one of the biggest benefits of memorizing scripture, because you can always have it with you when the enemy comes at work, at school, on your date, shopping, wherever you go, you can have it with you to protect your heart and your mind. And then verse 10, he says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again, and I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Now that I is ever in need, if I ever have was ever in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever I have. I know how to live almost on nothing or with everything. Here's a big thing when it comes to peace in your life too, is be content with what you have. Be content. 
Doesn't mean you don't have ambitions and goals and stuff like that. I'm talking about being in your heart content with anything, with what you have. What do I mean by that? I'm not waiting on blank to be happy anymore. I'm gonna be content. I'm not waiting on a new marriage to be happy. I can choose to be happy now. I'm not waiting on a new job to be happy. I can choose to be happy now. I'm not waiting until my debt's paid off before I could be happy. I could be happy now. That is a choice. That's a choice to be content right now. I'm not, I, I'm not waiting until I lose a couple more pounds to be happy. I could choose that now. You see what I'm saying? This is a choice. I'm gonna be content. Doesn't mean I don't have goals and dreams and ambitions and things that I want to accomplish in my life, but I'm gonna be content. Paul says, I know it's like to be impoverished. I know it's like to have abundance and all in between. And contentment is the big thing. And if you're not careful, contentment will steal and rob the peace in your life. Why? How do I become content really real quickly? Stop comparing yourself to everybody else. You wonder, you lay there at night, and I know, because I've been there, and you'll start scrolling, scrolling, scrolling until you fall asleep, and the phone falls on you. Anybody ever done that before? Come on, you're in church. Don't you lie? I know your preacher has right here, right? Like you're laying there, and like, oh, so can you fall asleep? Oh, it fell on me. I didn't mean it for the fall, right? You start looking, man, I wish I had a marriage like that. I wish I could parent like that. I wish we had stuff like that. Man, I wish I could look like that. Man, gosh, I, I can never get past this. I, my dot's not working, right? And you just keep, before we go to bed at night, we, we fill our mind full of comparison to everybody else. And we wonder why we're so wound up and anxious all the time. To be content, to trust, to be grateful for what we have. One of the biggest ways to be content, start serving people around you. Just start serving people and watch God come through. Now, here's the promise. All that for the promise. Look what it says, here's the promise, verse seven. Look, then, you see this, this is a condition. If you pray about everything, if you thank God about everything, if you put your mind on good things, if you'll be content with anything that I give you, then, verse seven, then look what it says, then you will experience God's peace. There's the promise. You don't have to worry. There's the promise right there. You will experience God's peace, which will exceed anything you can understand. You ever been there before? Like, man, I don't know. How are you going through what you're going through? Why do you have such a peace about it? If you've been there before, you're like, man, I just don't know. I just got this overwhelming peace that God's in control and it's gonna be okay. And you're like, man, if I was like you, I'd be going crazy right now. If I was in your shoes, I'd be going, I'd be losing it right now. How are you just having that peace? This is what he's talking about. This is the peace that surpasses all understanding. Then you will have peace. And then look what the peace will do. Look at verse seven, look what it will do. It will guard your heart and your mind. Why? Because how you feel comes from what you think. And when you do these things, I'm gonna come, it's a military word, and I'm gonna put a guard, and I'm gonna protect your mind, and I'm gonna protect your heart. When? When you do what I just shared with you to do. This is a condition. If you, I will. I will protect you, and I will give you peace. And then verse nine says this. Look what Paul says. Here's what you do. You gotta keep doing this. Do what? Apply it. You gotta practice. You gotta apply this. Like if you leave, you're going, thanks for the Bible study, appreciate it, Pastor, and you're going out and you let this go, and you don't apply God's word, then don't expect peace to come in your life. He says this, put into practice all you have learned and received from me, from what you've seen me do, how I live, then if you'll practice it, here's the payoff, peace. But you gotta practice it. 
You gotta want it, you gotta choose it. You want the peace of God in your life? You wanna claim that promise? Practice it. Practice what we just went through in Philippians chapter four. I know what some of you are thinking. There's no way I can do this. There's no way I can stop worrying. I don't even know what, I, you've been going to counselor after counselor after counselor. You've prayed, you've prayed, you've prayed, you've tried, you've tried, you've tried, you've done, you've done, you've done. I just, I just can't stop worrying. I just, I just can't stop it. Thank you so much. You'll walk by and you'll say, Pastor, pray for me, but I, I, can't, I can't do this. Do you know the Apostle Paul knew you would say that? He knew 2,000 years later you would be sitting there going, I can't do this. There's no way I can stop worrying about my kids. There's no way I can, I can stop worrying about my job. There's no way I can stop worrying about my $60,000 worth of student loan debt. How, how am I to stop worrying about this? He knew you would say that. And so he wrote one of the most famous verses for you. Stop worrying. That we see quoted all the time. And we have no idea that it was connected to a passage that talks about having God's peace in your life. Look what he says in verse 12. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. And as a follower of Jesus, when the apostle Paul says that, we should lean in going, what's the secret? Oh, give me the secret. What's the secret? How? Verse 13. For I can do everything. Stop worrying. Everything. 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 Pay off my debt. Everything. Fix my marriage. Everything. Break my addiction. Everything. Get right with God. Everything. Anything in your life. Here's a secret. You only can do it through Christ. Who gives you the strength to stop catastrophizing and what if about a future that you cannot control. And the enemy wants to take that right there for you not to believe it. Because when you begin to worry, guess what comes to our mind? God, where are you? God, you don't care about me. Jesus, if you love me. And the truth is, it's through Jesus and only through Jesus do you have the power, do you hear me? Power to practice what we just talked about. Apart from him, John says, 15, you can do nothing. But with Christ, you can do the impossible. It's impossible for me to stop worrying and God's like, that's when I show up. Because I, I'm in the business of doing the impossible in your life. All you have to do is believe. Your worry doesn't move God to act on your behalf. It is your faith in the middle, in the midst of your trials where God moves on your behalf. So stop worrying about it. Start having faith about it and practice. Now, is this gonna happen overnight? It's a practice. You gotta practice this. God, I'm worrying right now, but I'm gonna start practicing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change what I'm believing because I feel And watch this, when you practice this, you go back to what I said last week, God's still working on me. I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not who I'm gonna be someday. Because I'm gonna trust him. 
right in the middle. I'm gonna ask if you would just to bow your heads just for a moment. If you're able to do that, both locations, if you're watching online, if you're driving, please don't bow your head. We all struggle with worry, but you don't have to end it there. When the thought comes in your mind, oh, you should probably take control of this. That's what worry is. You're trying to control an outcome. You're trying to control something. You are trying to be God, and you're not. And the moment the enemy, and he'll do this for the rest of your life, throws that in your mind, you can take that thought captive, and I'm not gonna worry. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna believe. I'm gonna trust. God, you're in control. I'm gonna get in your word, and it is amazing how God will send you the right word at the right time. At the right time. I like to call him a COD from GOD. At the right time. And that would increase your faith going, oh God, you're in control. I don't have to worry about this. I can't control it. I'm gonna trust you. And maybe the biggest thing for you today and your next step is to give your life to Jesus. Because you can't fix any of this apart from him. Like, you can't. You can try in all your effort, and you have. And it hasn't worked. You need Jesus. And I beg you to give your life to him today. And all you have to do is cry out to him to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. As best as I know how, I repent of my sin. And I turn to you. And if that's you watching online or one of our campuses, we'd love for you right now. Just to let us know. In just a moment, host is gonna come out and say, hey, if you... Gave your life to the Lord. We want to celebrate and help you get started in your walk with Him. You need people come alongside you and help you. And if you're sitting here and you're worry, worry, worry all the time, this is now your opportunity to go, you know what? If I'm going to make any commitment and change for 2021, I'm going to get on the right path of practicing God's principles in my life to replace worry with faith, fear with faith, panic with praise because I trust him. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father, that even when we fall short, you still love us and you're still patient with us and you still work with us and work on us to conform us into your, your son's image. Now, this one's a big one. And this is the one you knew that we would struggle with and you gave us the principles, how to replace worry with peace and claim that promise. And so I pray that you would give us the strength and the faith to begin to declare and claim this promise of peace in the midst of a chaotic world and life and community and church in our hearts and our minds. We need peace that surpasses all understanding and we recognize that that only comes from you. We can do all things 
through your son because he lives and it's in his strength and it's in his name that we ask this request. Amen.